Hello and welcome, my name is Leah Barber and you're listening to Next Gen Femme, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women's achievements. Be it in business, sports, STEM or the arts, we speak to women that persevered through ups and downs to pursue their passions. That year was just so strange because I was used to playing and kind of you're popping around the place, playing rugby, going training and then it's all kind of gone. Like you haven't got the team environment. You have to kind of fight your way back to get back from injury and you try so hard uh, but you're on your own doing it like and I'm not an individual team sport type of person I am a team person and you need I need the kind of encouragement of others sometimes. In episode 10 of Next Gen Femme we speak with award-winning international rugby player Michelle Claffey or Claff as we know her. Claff talks us through her journey of overcoming not one but two ACL injuries to represent her country on the international rugby stage as well as explaining the importance of having an open and honest path of communication with her colleagues when it came to her rugby career. Claff also speaks to us about making the decision to become a teacher, which is something she has always wanted to do. All this and more in this next installment of Next Gen Femme. We're excited for you to hear our 10th episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome everyone and welcome back to Next Gen Femme or Next Generation Female. It's been a while since we recorded an episode, but... I'm happy to say I'm back in the recording studio, inverted commas, with my co-host Fee Malone. Hello. Dr. Fee Malone, sorry. Dr. Oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. And we are delighted to be joined today by Michelle Claffey, award-winning international rugby player, trainee teacher, and she's unfortunately from Offaly. (laughs) What a way to start. I know, I know. I like to, I just like to throw in a bit of a spice there. So welcome to the podcast, Claff, as we know her. Thanks, Leah. Hi, Fee. Hi. And Michelle taking time out of her very busy Mm COVID-19 schedule and you're bagging off her count. All so busy at the moment. We really are. Uh, (laughs) um, So just to clarify, the reason we know how, no Claffy is because we all met in college and we played rugby together. So if we refer to her as Claff, that's just because we know her a little bit more than uh, some of our other guests. Claff has said thanks very much for coming on to the podcast. We are kind of a very free-flowing podcast so we like for you to kind of I suppose take us on a journey as well as the listeners. So we'll jump straight into it and go with the first question which is I suppose to introduce yourself to our audience telling us your name which we know just to clarify if you want to add in a middle name or two that's fine as well and your age if you don't mind. Maybe she has a nickname. Oh maybe. (laughs) <laughs> your age if you don't mind occupation and an interesting slash random fact about yourself or anything it could be just a random fact about anything hi guys okay so my name is Michelle Claffey I am 32 years old uh, however it's firmly widely known that I'm actually 28 um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, a manager in EY a financial services advisory so I've been doing that for four years and, and I've been playing rugby with these two lovely ladies for course, ten, started playing 10 years ago in UL 2009 yeah that was it yes it would have been and she successfully as we were talking before this she successfully went from being a forward to a back so in our eyes me and female alone were forward so she really she she climbed the ladder and and just opened the doors for us forwards to be coming back from being a forward to a back usually the way around however I would love to always go back to the, the forwards could always like, be, you could always still be a flanker. You'd be an, you'd be an excellent yeah. flanker. I'd love that now, if anyone <laughs> give me a chance, but uh, <laughs> not yet. Okay, so as this podcast is all about kind of showcasing um, badass females as you are, we like to get to know people's journeys kind of from when they started and how they kind of progressed to where they are now and maybe what will be in the future. Hopefully we'll in a few months have a better situation than we are now, but it's good to think of what the future will be. So I guess just take us on that journey of when you think it kind of started for you, like maybe it was before EY or when you graduated or maybe it started when you were in college. As I said, you work in EY now and then you're currently training to be a teacher instead as well. So I suppose just take us where you think your kind of journey began with teaching, EY, rugby, kind of at the beginning maybe it started um, all the way in Offaly yeah. it did I'm gonna throw it back throw it way back okay. like 2003 2004 okay um, wow. I playing, yeah I was playing underage football with Offaly and I kind of was playing with the junior like the senior team at the time mm-hmm. and I just absolutely had a bowl one year we won like a, a division league title and I was division 4b and I swear the team was just unreal like used to train on Sunday mornings up in the far side of the county in Walsh Island 
and like the crack we'd have and the drive across and it was just something that really showed me how important sport is the kind of relationships you build with people and the crack that can be had when you're playing sport before after and like the team camaraderie that's kind of where mm. I like fell in love with playing kind of at the time for me like it was a high level sport and I loved it and then kind of from there and played football a little bit and then went to college in Limerick and I wanted to go to Limerick because it had an amazing sport campus and it was such a good reputation so obviously I was there for four years joined 2006 2010 um, I studied business studies and mm-hmm. um, so as part of that you do like a co-op education so you tip off to on to Dublin. So I did for eight months. I was working in a place called Invesco, and as part of that, they had a tag rugby team, and I was like, "Oh, what is this?" So we played like five side girls soccer, and they a really good social group, and then I ended up playing tag with them. It was mixed, and I sure didn't know what it was. I just watched rugby on television. Yeah, so played tag rugby there for the first time, and, and went back to Limerick fourth year and picked up playing rugby with Sheila ladies. <laughs> I remember went down it was uh, one of the first seasons back training, and I it was in the bowl the opposite side the grass side and I remember sitting up on the embankment and I just watched training for like half an hour it's like I don't know if I can do that oh oh it's, it's oh I'm not too sure about that but I really <laughs> wanted to try it and it looked like a fun there's a lot of people and I suppose it's kind of getting towards the end of college I was like I'll try something different because you're not very that busy obviously in fourth year um, and <laughs> I was thinking that you were fourth year when we were first years mm, yeah wow. um so I Kept with it and sure, I fell in love with it the second I played it. I remember I went to training one evening on a Wednesday and they're like, you're around tomorrow. We're playing a game against Nina. I, was like, I remember that game. Yeah. I remember I that remember game. That game. Oh, so scary. <laughs> I literally had one training session in and I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll, go, I'll play. What time? What time? What time? Oh, don't shield. And yeah, it was just like, it's another team sport. So you kind of know the environment. The tackling thing. Yeah, I just kind of, Stayed out a little bit more. I wasn't really, really about 15, 20 minutes towards the end. I used to get thrown in and it was the best way to learn. So that was when I fell in love with it. And that year we won university. A certain oh, Carol yeah. Stone was on the NUID team. She kicked me in the face. Did she kick you in the face? That's I remind her about that every so often. Yeah, that was my first <laughs> meeting with her. She kicked me in the face off a scrum, I think. Obviously, play went on, and I was like, "Shit, my nose isn't on my face; it's gone, it's completely <laughs> gone." And she came over and was like, "No, you're grand. You look great." And she ran off again. <laughs> I was like, Thanks. Was she Thanks. was she international at that point? Because I think I remember distinctly her being like either international or like province, and we were all like, "Oh my god, oh my god, we're playing against like an international yeah. player." <laughs> I was a bit like, um, do you know that bit in Mean Girls where she's like, when this time Regina George punched me in the face, it was awesome. <laughs> but I was obviously posting that Carol Stanton and kicked me in the face when really I was in traumatic pain. So yeah, we I remember that we won in Traverses that year. So I suppose continue on from that. Yeah, so that was kind of my first taste of rugby. And I suppose like you make friendships, like there are no other because you have the person up off the ground just got kicked in the face. I remember I got injured a little bit I just got winded or something and Rosie Fanning was like get up you're fine come on and I was like I don't think I am get up um so yeah I drive myself off the ground I was in the game against UCC in the league final so yes from there so graduated then in August September and I moved up to Dublin and I joined Blackrock College they had two teams the thing was I just wanted to go play seconds wasn't really sure about rugby and I was set a Meet new friends, new city, new place. So I went to Blackrock because they had two teams, but that was 2010. The World Cup was on in London that year. Mm-hmm, so everyone retired. <laughs> and there was only one team then in Blackrock. Mm-hmm, okay. So that was kind of a change so Did you there. feel the pressure then you had to all play, we'll say, first division rugby then? How did you feel about with your original idea of maybe playing seconds? Were you nervous? The problem was I was in BlackRock about six weeks at this stage before it was definitely confirmed that there was no second team and the girls are class and it was just good fun. So it's like, ah, sure, I give it a go and if I'll sit on the bench and give them a hand or if they need it. So there was a significant drop in numbers within BlackRock. Got to play, got thrown in at centre. I moved pretty quickly from being a forward to back, either through lack of numbers or whatever. Uh, just got shoved in there so that was my first game against St Mary's in Blackrock and we lost like 8-3 or something 6-3 thriller so that was my first introduction then to AIL and it was brilliant like we played well we got kicked up and down the pitch I think it was like 78 <laughs> yeah keep going back and like these are the kind of experiences and like memories you'll always have 
of playing these games and just absolutely loving it. Mm-hmm. Like if you got to score, like you might as well have won the game. Do you know, when you're playing against internationals and other teams and like, like you know yourself, like how godly they are when you get to play against them, just like that against Cara Saunton. She's on the Irish team. She's like, you know, yeah. and you're not used to that uh, playing. Well, I wasn't anyway. And um, mm-hmm. international level, I suppose, on the men's side of it, they're just so far away. Yeah. And then, so real and they're so close uh so yeah i went to black rock and i've been there 10 years two acls one meniscus one ankle later i'm still playing um, and keep a good thing down so uh yeah so i got two what seasons in black rock those injuries uh yes yeah, so it was my end of my second season in black rock and we were playing the uh i thought it was first year of the all ireland sevens i think and it was the last game against ul and my foot just got caught on the ground and someone fell in it so that was my first knee gone that was the first time i've ever heard of an acl <laughs> and all the cool kids do it now seemingly i know it's, become a, it's been a very big trend these days <laughs> so it was a trend no more guys Club yeah. is not allowed any bigger. So managed to get back. I was like, that year was just so strange because I was used to playing and kind of you're popping around the place, playing rugby, going training, and then it's all kind of gone. Like you haven't got the team environment. You have to kind of fight your way back to get back from injury. And you try so hard, uh, but you're on your own doing it. Like, and I'm not an individual team sport type of person. I am a team person. And you need, I need the kind of encouragement of others sometimes because yeah. in mm. like Rosie move get up yeah yes. that was kind of a tough year and like because you're not oh, I wasn't running I was having a great time socially I put on a bit of weight because you don't have to go train on Thursday so like at the time I was working the central bank so I was there for six years so 2010 2016 like you kind of become more social with people in work because you haven't got trainers to go to and again it's another branch of your your network that you can kind of tap into so yes. it was before that, like you wouldn't get asked to go for drinks after work because people know you've trained. And, and then when that's gone, you're kind of more more available to kind of intermingle yeah. with people. So that was kind of cool, like that part of your life. And then finally got back to playing rugby the following year. And that was great. Loved it. And then I got to play Leinster that year as well. So that was my first taste of the Interpros. And that's wow, just what was that like? I was, um, oh, wow. Uh, I think it was the Danvin Zio as our coach. And like we had such a cool team. Like we had Tanya Rosser, Louise Austin, you got Amy Davis, Shannon Houston. Like we had unbelievable players. And even looking back and now getting to play with them, learned so much. I came off the bench on the three games, still three caps. Um, and yeah, we won it that year. And it was just brilliant because it was just that year we won high field. And it was just, again, like you look back on that and you have moments you just treasure the girls were brilliant and you just learned so much. But again, you, you get to learn about other people, how they've played and where they've played, how many World Cups they've gone to. Like, I've never gone to a World Cup, but yeah, I was there playing rugby with other people who've been to two. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sevens World Cups and everything. Yeah, that was uh, Interpros. And then that following summer, I was playing Sevens again in Tullamore and I'd done my other knee. So, um, ACL or? That was ACL, okay. that's my as well. Was that? That was uh, my other leg. So it kind of, the other, well, the first, the second leg felt left out. So it was like, I better join in here. <laughs> I actually wanted symmetrical matching scars <laughs> on my knee. Yeah. So I could do two bears on either side of my knee. And <laughs> um, so that was like heartbreaking. And yeah. um, because I just actually, I was standing, remember I got the ball, it was coming from the right to the left, and the ref is in front of me. And I got it. And I was like, I don't want it, I don't want it. I got it. I went to run. And whatever I did, I planted my foot and just twisted really quickly. Yeah. Tried to get around the referee and I just did it to myself. Like, that's so embarrassing. Yeah, and then the ref uh, was, like, giving a penalty against me for knocking on or whatever. I'm, like, on the ground holding my leg. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, sound. Thanks, man. So that was that other leg. So this time around is a bit different, though, because I kind of knew what to expect, as in injury-wise and kind of the pitfalls, as in mm. don't eat your body weight in pizza. Um, and so it didn't stack it on pretty quickly. But mentally, and I stayed more involved physically as well as as mentally. But mentally, it must have been very tough to, I suppose, not long after coming back from your first ACL injury, and then to for this to happen again. Did like I suppose maybe talk us through the kind of mental battle that you probably would have went through then. Yeah, as well. like that's kind of that's the thing is that I kind of knew what to expect. I knew what was coming. I knew how. I knew basically I did it once. I can do it again. Mm-hmm. And it's. You, you kind of know like when you're going to get down by things and when you can fight through it because you did it before you got back to where you wanted to be and you can push on 
and you want to get back into kind of what your normal is mm-hmm. so team mm-hmm. sports be it rugby is a five-side soccer is a tag rugby like you want to get that normality or the ability to do things that you want to do back and as the surgeon said to me before if you want to wear a pair of high heels again you need to have surgery on because it's instability mm-hmm. and it's kind of that well i want to have a normal life uh, and yeah. insofar that i can choose to run or i can choose to wear heels on a night out or whatever and doesn't help that I'm five for five so I, I was like I need the heels <laughs> uh, I'll take the heels so yeah and it's kind of like that like that little bit of internal chat you have to yourself as in like you can do this I've done it before keep pushing on and do your rehab uh, that was the first time around it it wasn't as diligent and you just get have to get better at it so mm-hmm. like that the internal chat the push and you've done it before and I think, that was how I kind of got back after the other one. I think that's uh, uh, your attestment to you that you took that mentality. I can imagine a lot of people in that same situation, it happens to them their second time and they would maybe just give up or just accept that, oh, this is okay. I'm just going to get back to a state of where I can function on a daily level. But you powered through and were very determined in that I'm going to get back to playing again like as I said uh, not a weaker person is the wrong term but somebody definitely that wouldn't have maybe the the mental strength to push yourself or maybe not push yourself but get back to that level and I think that's incredible like that's amazing I'm just so stubborn <laughs> I'm so stubborn uh, like if you tell me I can't do something I'm like I'm actually going to do it <laughs> just to annoy you yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you have any um fear Claffy, about getting back on the field or was that not even an issue with you after the first time or second time but it was both yeah <laughs> both. <laughs> second time big time i had a lot of fear the second time around because it's kind of like right i got here and now it's like now you gotta do it oh i don't want to do it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when i was in getting my my surgery i walked into the room and it was a shared room and I turned and it was Carl Staunton. And I was like, hello. <laughs> yeah. And then, so every time the surgeons come in, they stop at her bed and they go, oh, this is your second knee. It's the opposite. That's very rare. And then they come to me and they go, what's your second knee? It's the opposite. Oh, it's very rare. I'm like, <laughs> we have the two rare people in the one room. <laughs> so yeah, we both were up in Santry the same day. And it was quite nice to share a room with someone who just didn't want to talk to you as well. Like, I, I, I'm, I just give me the drugs nurse and I'll be fine. So that was kind of that little story with Carol. Uh, but yes, it's second time around, definitely not scarier because... I remember we played a challenge game against CYM. I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't take me off. I don't want to go through this again. But got over that. And we had definitely one of the funnest years in BlackRock. Just, it was nice that it was back to normal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to hang out with my friends, get to play a bit of rugby, uh, get a bit of fitness in. You get, and it's kind of like going through the trenches. You're just delighted to get back. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has been a, a clean enough slate for me um, with injuries since then. I had a small little meniscus thing there about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Hey, who needs a meniscus? <laughs> yeah, like it was a minor thing. It was over summer. It actually was um, the day after we had played UL in the All-Ireland Cup final, as in like the Monday after the Saturday. So potentially when you go out the weekend don't go playing tag on a Monday your body might be tired <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, that was that's kind of been my knees and getting back to it and like as aside from rugby I had my professional career as well and I was trying to push on central bank and trying to find my my niche there so I'd moved a couple of divisions so I was in procurement initially which is really cool it's like buying stuff and you work for central bank you buy real cool stuff so that like was what? and then and they're they're building they're buying the building down in Northwall Key where they're now minutes so that started like ten years ago. Like there's other stuff like they have a currency center out in Sandyford, so you buy stuff for that. That's kind of cool. Like the engineers, like, obviously the usual stuff of stationery and paper and and mm. like and also you have the story of the fifty or Central Bank of Ireland spent fifty thousand euro on biscuits. I'm sorry, like biscuit page. <laughs> So then I moved away from that after I was there for four, three years in procurement. Then I moved across to a thing called operational risk and then did a bit of that for a year and then moved into banking supervision. And I was looking at kind of operational risk in banks. So we go out in inspections and go from there. Like it was, it's such a different world that you're, that you're stepping into because they're such an amazing organization to be part of because you're, you're managing like the banks, financial services, make sure it's all right. Like obviously I was down the chain and doing the doing, mm-hmm. um, but someone had to do it. So I loved it there. I was there for six years. And then 
I said, you know what, I'll challenge myself a bit more and moved into the, the private sector and got a job, luckily, for EY in July 2016. So on brand. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I've been there since then and I've been in consultancy, advisory, and it's mostly in financial services. So it's banks, financial service companies, insurance companies, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I've been there for four years almost, coming up my four years. Okay. Wow. You're still at this point, you're balancing the rugby, obviously. So in that same, I suppose, in parallel with your professional career with the Accenture and EY and stuff, when did the kind of international or Irish rugby start coming into the picture? So uh, throughout my whole career, I always talked about rugby and I talked to people I worked with, people I worked for. I made sure to talk about it so that they were quite well aware of it. Like Tuesdays and Thursdays at seven o'clock, I need to be in Blackrock. So I was leaving work at half five, quarter past five, however long it would take to make the trek out. I always have my gear back there. It'd be very visible. I come in the Monday for the black eye. It was very visible. <laughs> I had a game weekend. Yeah. So I, I that's kind of something that you're kind of managing in parallel. You've got your career, you've got rugby as well. And I wanted two of them very much to get the same amount of time and energy. So I always made one thing know about the other. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't go rugby training because I was stuck in work, but that wouldn't happen very often because I always talked about it. So I talked about rugby like it was my children, as mm-hmm. I say about the people. I haven't got children, but that's what I always talked about. And so when I joined EY, like they were so accommodating and so good to me and because they knew what my circumstances and games and training and whatever else, be it Leinster or Blackrock, because that's where I was when I started with them, they were very good about it. And they'd always ask. And it was it was a nice thing to talk about as well. And because it's a new job, people were like, oh, you're the rugby player. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, so that was kind of a, that was kind of an, a nice in as well, because people wouldn't have always known about, say, me. Mm-hmm. So it was something to talk about. And it was, like I said, it was an in. So then from there, I, I progressed in EY and it was was it 2018 2020 so it was december 2017 so i was in ey then uh whatever 18 months and i got the call into the uh, irish squad after the interpros that were on in december mm-hmm. so okay. that that was really cool um and then i remember going to work after so that's called the end of december and i was like oh i don't know what to do and i went into work in january and i got put on a new project and I was went down as I emailed my boss and was like, Oh, can I grab you for a coffee at some stage today? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, no problem. And I said, Oh God. So I remember going down, I was like, What do I say? Like, because I don't know if I get picked, will I get picked? Or so I sat him down, it's like, Oh, Connor, hiya, how are you? Nice chat. And then I was like, Look, I'm after, I'm actually getting after picked for the, the Six Nations for this year. And um, I might get to play some games, I'm not too sure, but I might need some flexibility in my working arrangements. And he was like, All right. <laughs> Oh, that, that's, that's amazing. I suppose he didn't understand how close I was or how far away I was from playing. And they're so good in letting me take time or needing time. And then after it was the Fred, the first game was the France game. And I remember going into work and I got a phone call saying or I wasn't selected for the first game. And of course, everyone's really interested. They're like, oh, are you going? Are you going? I'm like, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. And that's the hard part of communicating it. And then the next game was the Italian game. And so I was saying to my boss on that Monday morning, I'm like, look, I might get a phone call. I might get an email. A phone call's a good thing. An email's bad. And I had my phone propped on the, the computer <laughs> screen. And I was like, every, I was like tapping it, tapping, tapping the phone. And then next thing, the name Adam Griggs popped up. And I was like, I just have to take this. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> so I tipped. And they were like, go, go, go. Uh. So I tipped off, took the call. And I was like, you know, real cool, walked down the middle of the office because I didn't want to get to voicemail, didn't want to, like, answer too quickly. I was like, hey, Gregsy, how are you? And he's like, oh, yeah, good, good. I was like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> inside words, so that the yeah, come out. Uh, so I went back, I got the call, I, he had put me on the bench against Italy at the end. I was like, ah, cool, cool. Thanks, Gregsy, cheers. I was like, oh, my God. So I rang my mom, rang whoever I could, and then went back to my desk, and I was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> Inside, I'm like screaming because, like, obviously, you, you can't tell the whole world's mother. Like, it's very much so. Like, it'd be an ounce in the media or whatever. So it's like tell like your parents or the, those people close to you. And it was just like, how did you keep this? Like, so it wasn't bad news. It wasn't crying. It was obviously good news. Yeah. Yeah. That was my first kind of taste of it, and that was really cool. And was that? Uh, a, a, um, I would have a banner. I would have a mariachi band. I would have the whole thing in the office. And if right. no one, I'd be emailing them. I'd be like, "Did you hear? 
<laughs> I was saying nothing wrong, just letting you know. Just get one of those, yeah, yeah. one of those planes that like fly across the sky with the message on the back. Yeah. Or you've been a meeting, meeting, so come here. What happened to me was Yeah, yeah. We're actually going for a walk instead of a meeting and look at the sky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I suppose on the flip side of that phone call, was there a moment there as well? Obviously you're elated that you you're you're put on the bench or you're being picked. Was there a moment where you're like, you just took a breath for yourself because you had been through the two, the the injuries with your ACL and just the struggle of getting back to even playing and stuff like that. And to, to go through all that and kind of get to that point of being picked for the international team. Was there a moment where you just took to yourself where you're like, yes, this is like just to take a moment so, to breathe it in or anything like that? It wasn't real. The moment I was real, it was where in the dressing room, we we're sitting down and we just when we arrived at the ground, we a few minutes to sit down, chill out, get ourselves together, collect our thoughts. And I picked up the program and I opened it. And I was like, that's my name. And that was the moment I was like, that is so cool. Yeah. Um, it was only until that moment I kind of, like obviously I realised that I got selected for the first game and mm-hmm. that was class. I didn't think I'd ever get on. I didn't think I'd ever get that far. And just kind of to see it and I was like, that's my name, that's really cool. It was real. That was kind of the moment. And at that moment I was like, I, I've, haven't forgotten I just sat there and was like oh so then went we went through the warm-up got ready jerseys on anthems and yeah I was sitting on the bench and they were like go for your warm-up and I was like okay cool warm-up <laughs> and then I got a, a curly finger and I was like it's 20 minutes of the game finger. I was like it's 20 minutes of the game I can't I can't why did they want me and Ed was calling me on because Senny had to go for an HIA and I was like I, I was right with 20 minutes at the end not go on in 20 minutes oh and these emotions of like you actually get to go and play and do the thing that you really want to do and I'm like okay right let's go do this so let's go on a good play and first thing like you know the way people say when you're running onto pitch and you have all these emotions and you have all these thoughts my only thought was do not trip do not trip. Do not trip. <laughs> did you have a word with your knees? Or did you have a word with your knees on the bench and you were like, okay, come on, my lads. We're good. <laughs> yeah, that, that was it. <laughs> you guys are brand new. You are shiny. You are able for this. <laughs> Don't let me down now. We've been through so much together. So that was my first cap against Italy. And then afterwards, you get your, we got our first cap. So physical caps after the game. And it was it's green, velvet, got a little bit of... Uh, silver on the top and I brought that into work then on Tuesday and not Tuesday sorry I talked about it once on Tuesday and everyone was like bring it in like what does it look like do you get a cap for every game how many caps are you going to get how many caps like there's so many questions people just want to know more and Mm -hmm. that was such a lovely side that's like the real personal side of work as well because they didn't know really anything about rugby women's rugby uh, but because obviously they knew me they wanted to get more interested in it and they wanted to hear about it that was that was the, the personal side of it coming through and I brought in the cap and I was just so enamoured by it. This is really cool. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's my You wear it, so you're cool. just like, That's really, really nice. And but- like, do you wear it all the time? Like, yeah, of course I wear it all the time. <laughs> you don't have to train on a Tuesday and a Thursday, do <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, where is my hat? It's a very um, stylish piece of headwear. <laughs> yeah. That was my, that was my first cap then for Ireland was that game against Italy mm-hmm. and Obviously, I didn't get to play the whole game. Senny thankfully came back, and so I got my 10 minutes of um, HIA feature. And then I came back on with about two minutes to go. I got back on again. And, uh, you know, Franco, the back row for Italy, she got she got her first cap that day as well. Mm-hmm. And when I mean she gave me the fattest lip I've ever got in my life. <laughs> it was like over two minutes, and it just went so large. I'm like, oh, this <laughs> And then there's a one picture of me at the end of the game with my friend Carrie did Isabel and I have a sign saying full clap and my lip is just huge. <laughs> but uh, I didn't care. Who needs full claps? Who needs a lip? It was going to go down after a while. So I've got a cap. Of, you don't need a lip. <laughs> it's great. Oh, my cap. I've got my lip. That's fine. Uh, so I managed to get a better gum shield for the next day. Anyways, that was brilliant. <laughs> wow. That was the start of my current 12 cap journey for Ireland. Okay, yeah, that was so going to be my next question. How many caps have you officially got? Have you got a favourite moment yet so far? Obviously, the first cap is uh, would be a standout, but other than the first cap or the first moment, have you got a moment or a game or one that stands out so far? I think it was the Autumn Internationals of that year again. So I got my first start in the Autumn Internationals against the States in Donnybrook. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost that game, unfortunately. But then the following week, we played England in Twickenham and... 
think that was like the that's definitely a highlight of my life uh, when it comes to rugby and it was just amazing first he gets to England he gets to play Twickenham and surroundings the everything the history of the place uh, if you're going to play England you're going to play them in Twickenham like that's what you want these are the games you want to play in your life and mm-hmm. this would have been the second time for me to play England and it's just now I get to start and I'm, all the emotions again of can't wait oh I'm petrified <laughs> will it go well will I be okay and I just remember being exhausted at the end of the game and trying to pull myself together yeah. <laughs> and um, at the start we said you were an award winning international rugby player so what awards are we referring to when we say that so I'm from Offaly but um, <laughs> I won the sports Westmead Sports Star of the Year 2018 mm-hmm. um, so I won that start of 2019 so I had to it was a Friday night and then I tipped off to camp on the Saturday morning so to play England the following Friday so wow. I was lucky enough to win that that year and a uh, first female winner of the that award as well wow so that was pretty cool so yeah I'm a, I live on the Westmead Offaly border and I went to school in Banhain so that's in Westmead and uh, we kind of covered that area so it was just like, I didn't expect to win it at all like not a chance and hope like the amount of talent that was on display that night like previous winners were Robbie Henshaw and uh, Mark Rohan won a year like just and like getting up from that stage my mom was so shocked my dad was so shocked They're like but oh my god um, <laughs> and they're just so proud it was a lovely moment and uh, like to have them there like got a full day but my aunts came yeah it was so good to have like family there and you, you don't realize how special these moments are when when they're going on and you look back on it and you're just so appreciative of it mm-hmm. um, i think touched so. on it there especially you know being in a in a in work as well and rugby being your identity and people sharing that moment with you because sometimes like leah was saying you have so many moments and trying to catch a breath but sometimes those people help you do that because when you see how they're enjoying mm-hmm. you know your journey and your success then you might start to enjoy it a little bit more and see the fun out of it as well I know there's a lot of hard work going into what you do but sometimes I sometimes find you know when you have a nice evening like that and your parents get to you get to see your parents see you yeah um like that it's just a really really nice feeling that's amazing because say after games and stuff or before games, I remember I forgot like my um, my jacket for one of the Six Nations games. And mom was like, I'll just drop it into you before the game. And I mom, you can't. <laughs> um, so like, you don't see them. <laughs> you, you don't see them before the game. You see them for about 15 minutes afterwards, mm-hmm. Max. Which you're running from here. You're running to ice baths. You're starving. You're tired. You want to get some fluid into you and then to go to post-match meal and that takes time and then you're traveling back to the hotel and you're having a post-match review and then it's like four hours after the game's over and now you have a minute but sure everyone's gone home now we're not yeah, gonna hire yeah. around for eight hours to say hello to you for five minutes and that buzz is kind of gone because it's just turned into a work or a job and it's done and the adrenaline just- levels and the caffeine is gone and you're kind of yeah. like you're starting to go on that downward slope where you just want to get into your pajamas and sit on the couch and just chill out <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And go, did that really happen six hours ago? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Um, do you do much work in encouraging younger girls into rugby? I know um, a lot of the women's team are heavily involved in that. So I was involved the Leinster under 18 7th last summer. Um, my friend's husband, uh, Niall Level, was their coach. And he asked me, do you want to come down and help out? And I was like, absolutely. So it was around the time where I was recovering from my ankle injury that I got in Six Nations in 2019. So it was kind of something for me to do. It was a way for me to keep involved, keep my skills up and keep thinking rugby-wise. Uh, so that was really nice from to invite me along and the girls the girls are so good like their rugby age is going to be and their intelligence when they get to my age when they get to 25 they're going to be so advanced in terms of understanding the game understanding how to play mm-hmm. they're starting then, so early now aren't they that's the thing i'm i'm jealous i'm not gonna lie yeah. um, but it's it's you so good that, that it's, it's normal it's normal it's not like oh Oh, I play rugby and everybody thinking you're weird or, yeah, you know. Like, they have that kind of assumption of type of person you are and they put you into that box. And now they see it on telly and how different a game it is. And it's not weird. It's just a sport. So that's something. And I kind of went around to a couple of the rugby clubs. I went to NAV a couple of times into Mullingar. Just not some guest sessions, but I had some gear. I got, got rid of that. So you've tons of it. Over the amount okay. I've collected over the years, like some retro stuff I found when <laughs> I was moving. Uh, from my some University of Limerick top. I still have that wet top. I love that wet top. <laughs> that wet top is, in fairness, it's that's really cool. 
So it's and it's nice to go out there and meet those young girls. And when I was on placement in Colossian Hincha, I was there about two weeks and the students are like, um, Miss, would you help us set up a girls' rugby team? And I'm like, Yeah, sure, why not? And so I kinda of got short cut short there the academic year being stopped effectively on the thirteenth of March. But you know, if the girls can see it, they can be it. And that's like when you're so close to it and you can see it's real and it's achievable, like if they can do it, anyone can do it. And I really believe if you put your mind to something, if you want to do it, then you can do it. You just have to make a few choices. They're not sacrifices, they're choices. And if you want to get on well, great. And if you want to play it for fun, that's great too. Just you find your niche and you enjoy it. That's the most important part of it. And is that the kind of attitude you're using now in your team training? How did you get to that decision or what influenced it? So it was kind of again around the time of my ankle. I was doing a bit of coaching with, with the turf. And um, it was kind of at that point where I said, but don't do it now. I'll never do. So teaching was also something I always wanted to try. But between rugby or resources or time or just mentally being able to take on a master's, I wasn't committed to it. Last year, I applied to do it, and I started in September 2019. So I'm getting through my first year. Wow. Time is flying. So as part of that, I do a seven-week placement, and I was down in Colossian and Hinchin in late time. And I went, my first day, I think it was after, like, came back from Challenge Match against Wales. We were across, and I just went in. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not even ready for this. What are we going to do? Uh, but it was an observation week. And uh, so I got to go in, and it seemed a different environment, different people, different attitudes. Like, how do, how do you go about, like, what's your nine to five? Well, first of all, it's not nine to five. It's more like eight to four. And it's the, the amount of people around the place. Like, didn't know that many teachers there. Didn't know many teachers there. What I'm saying. Didn't know any of the students. I just walked in. It was just a foreign environment for me. Like, it was so different. But I went in on the first week and I really enjoyed it. And going in then, whatever, three weeks later, I went in, taught my first class. And the amount of prep I put into it just in case. And it was an hour glass. And I remember walking out. I was like, okay, one done. There we go. Um, <laughs> they believed everything I said. That was great. I was prepped up to nine, had good games, bit of active learning. So walked out of that class, going, right, one down, a few more left. Mm. But it's just a different world. So surreal. Like you always have to be on and teaching. And, you know, when you're in an office environment, you can get up from your desk, you can go for coffee, you can go get some uh, fresh air outside when you need a mental break. But when you're in the classroom, you're there for that hour and you have to be on for that hour and listen and contribute. And you can't take a second because you need to be switched on because the kids are there to learn. You have to help. And that's one thing I definitely found, like you're on your feet a lot more. You're walking around. Whereas in the office, like I wear my Fitbit and it beeps at 10 to the hour most hours of the day because I just don't move that much <laughs> are you still <laughs> you <know>? alive <laughs> yeah it's like the guilt beep I'm like yeah okay I'm going now um, but when you're a teacher like you're moving all the time different like classroom management like different like you've 30 yeah. different people in each class and you have different personalities and it's so refreshing to see and it, their enthusiasm as well at times yes it can wane but also when it's through the roof and you're watching showing them a video of the first ever Apple launch. They're like, this is hilarious. I haven't ever seen it like before. And Steve Jobs, and it was just, yeah. And what class really do cool. what classes do you teach them or class or subjects? Should I so say? my subjects are business and economics. Mm-hmm. So I had first years and fifth years and I had a few TY classes as well, like teaching enterprise. So I remember many companies. Yes, loved it. I didn't do them, but I remember. Yeah, so uh, that was that was kind of nice as well. So trying to get them prepped for their interviews and went to the me uh, divisional kind of local yeah. enterprise day oh, where they yeah. had to sh- showcase there. So that was funny. Um, They're great, crack. Yeah, and then because the academic year got closed on the thirteenth of March, I said, "Hey, why can I come back?" And they're like, "Absolutely!" So that was kind of I got to because I was using my annual leave um, to do the teacher placement because I didn't want to leave you. I like. At the minute, the first year was a trial year. Mm-hmm. See if I love teaching or didn't like teaching. And I'd hate to have not tried it. But yeah. I, so I wanted to give it a go. And there's no point like turning around 10 years time going, why didn't I? I didn't want any regrets. So I went back and I, I started it and it's going well so far. Delighted to get back to EY though as well, given what's happening. They're mm-hmm. so flexible. And again, it's a different pace of life. But then being thrown back into EY and it's remote working from home like the office got shut down so it's just another adjustment that you have to kind of get used to pretty quickly and yeah it's the definitely the firm has coped so well and 
the connectivity and the daily catch-ups and just getting to meet new people but in this kind of the first week no one had the video on now everyone has the video on just kind of get, getting comfortable with the environment that mm-hmm. they're in and it's so important to see a face not just a black kind of yeah. screen in front of you it's kind of like okay human interaction as close as we can get yeah, yeah as much as we can do right now that's so true so so true and how um, how did you with ey how did you approach them when you first was like you came to the decision oh i do want to try teaching so did you have another conversation where you're like do you mind if i have a coffee there with you anytime that is exactly what happened Leah. that is exactly what happened um i want to be pretty pretty upfront and honest having these kind of conversations mm-hmm. because you know you don't want to be like on each six six stuff not tell anybody why what i'm doing why i'm stressed out because like I said, it would be, you got to tell people about things. Because if I was tired on a Monday, well, that's because you had a game the day before. Um, if you need to take a day off in the middle of the week, I have an assignment to you. Do you know that kind of way? Mm-hmm. So like if people don't know, they can't be understanding. They can't be flexible. So I had yeah. a conversation with everyone like everyone that I had to just, just also to kind of test what they thought of it. As in litmus test, am I crazy to go back and do this? And they were so open to it. And they're like, you try it. That's no problem at all. We're here to support you. And you're a very valuable member of the team. So they were very understanding towards the approach and I got the leave approved. So no, it's been, I think if you're, I find if you're more upfront and honest about these things and describe the situation you're in, that way they can be understanding. And also you can be flexible towards them because, you know, it's a two way relationship there. Yeah, I think it's a testament uh, to you that you're so open in your workplace about everything you do. And it works in such a way that you're benefiting now starting this journey down the teaching career path, but also changing people's perceptions of you don't have to be just one thing or um, stereotypes about rugby players or, or women in business or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Because you are open, it allows people to view things in different ways that you, you don't yeah. just have to be one type of person or one career or anything like that and I think it's great I think it's really really good and it's kind of though when you look at rugby and like Ireland rugby so I went to camp Friday Saturday Sunday and then go home on Sunday and you're wrecked and you have to go into work Monday to Friday and it's kind of like you're living two very different lives even though you're thinking the way you're acting the way you're eating uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the thing that once people know that you have to leave early on Friday because you have to be in gym for six o'clock that evening and you have to drive up the M50 and you have to deal with traffic they can't say anything against that because you're so upfront about it and you know what you wouldn't want to do anything to kind of you don't want to be that person like oh you don't have any trust in them because you don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. so that's kind of my ethos on it is that you're upfront and honest and always with black rock i have to go training these are my times and i'll stay late any other evening and whenever you need but i just can't on those days i suppose if you get your work done in that time like they can't really i suppose hold it against you or other people can't hold it against you like if you're efficient in what you do and you do it well then it's good that they're flexible and and are accommodating to that and i i think it's yeah. great testament to ey and stuff like that that they are that flexible with you because i know not other not all companies would be so that's it's great that you found a company that was accommodating to your schedule your lifestyle your ambitions which is amazing yeah they are so supportive but also i find that if i, if I give myself a deadline whether it's a training evening or a non-training evening you kind of work toward that deadline a bit better and you kind of get the work done but if you kind of nothing on the even you might kind of slow the pace down a bit and mm-hmm. you kind of like i could have got this done in 15 minutes <laughs> i'm still here doing it <laughs> well that's the same in life though going out to the gym work and it's like procrastination i'll go on 10 minutes oh no i'll go on ha- a half the hour oh no i'll go on the hour oh yeah, it's yeah. tomorrow <laughs> yeah. so bad and the pandemic is terrible i'm like oh i've all this time now i'll totally clear out my clothes wardrobe i still yeah. haven't I'm on week four of uh, <laughs> being at home. So it's just clearly not a motivational uh, problem with me. I just don't want to do it. So. I don't want to do it. And it's there looking at you and you're like, I can see you too. Go away. I, I, take, the, I take the mental attitude that it's like, but if I do it today, like I won't have anything to do tomorrow, you know? So I got to <laughs> keep, keep it for a day that I really don't know what to do, you know? Oh, God, Yeah. <laughs> But I suppose with with everything that you've kind of you've told us with rugby, with going into back into teaching with EY and Accenture and stuff like that, and just 
your career and the things, any of the speed bumps with your injuries and stuff that you've come through, did you ever find that any family or friends or anything didn't support you in the decisions or the journey that you've been on? Did you ever find that people questioned you maybe or just didn't support you? I wouldn't say support. Like my mom would have been worried when I was moving, say, from the central bank to EY. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you have a good job in the bank, like question going to EY. And kind of like, why are you playing rugby? Like, what are you doing to yourself? Keep getting injured. <laughs> so it's not a support. It's just like a worry. But like any Irish mommy in their worry situations, mm-hmm. that's what they do best. Uh, <laughs> Professional so, worries. No, I've always had really good support. Parents, brothers, like friends, everything. Mm-hmm. It's always been a brilliant support network there for me. And I think that's probably a reason why I have been successful to where I am is that I have been supported during my life. Like being dropped to train and being brought here, there and everywhere that's good like not everyone I suppose is fortunate in that they have people that are supportive of their decision and and back them although as I said your your mother may worry she's probably obviously super proud of what you've accomplished and what you've done so like she's just most mothers I think are just happy as long as you're happy kind of thing (laughs) I think that's just the way it is uh, mom mommy's always gonna say to me like when are you giving up that rugby like this is after my second knee she's like when are you giving up when are you giving up I'm like I will mom when I get to play for Ireland like leave me alone yeah yeah. fully thinking I was never gonna get to play my Um, my mom's like the opposite she's like do you ever think you'd take back up the rugby I'm like no I'm a broken woman now I can't (laughs) (laughs) I need all of my appendages for work so she's like every every so often she's like I miss you playing the rugby I'm like you're probably the only mother in Ireland that's like actively wants me to play a physical sport (laughs) the Facebook no they dropped the, the from Facebook so if, I suppose after everything in your journey did you was there a moment where you I suppose it kind of was the same similar question to when you got that phone call that you were like you're going to be on the team was there ever a moment after everything that you're sat there or had a had a, a thought or just kind of took it all in where you're like yes I've kind of I've, I've I'm playing for Ireland I'm teaching which is something that I thought I wasn't going to do but I made the decision to do was there a moment where you were like I've made all the right decisions so far um, I'd say the moments are more like what am I doing why should I take on a master's why am I doing this myself I haven't got to that point just yet and I hope to reach it someday <laughs> I'm like right I'm done that cool yeah. <laughs> I've got the teaching thing or I'm back working the UI or I, I'm stopped playing rugby like that was pretty cool I think it's more of a reflection another thing I suppose is what keeps motivating you or what keeps driving you to kind of like with your injury you you kind of push through that with your two injuries or your few injuries that you went through what 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 motivated you or drove you through that what like is driving you now to do all the teaching I know it's probably a little bit on pause now with everything that's going on at the moment but mm-hmm. I suppose what are the the motivations behind those um, I probably think part of it is like I'm pushing myself to see if I can do it mm-hmm. um, and then once I finish that I'm like oh yeah I can do it so it's more more so a, a personal test for myself to see how I'm getting on if I can do these things and it's kind of I'm doing things because I want to do them and I'm doing things because I think I can do them I'm not going to set myself up for failure type thing mm-hmm. um, so like that's where it comes into having the honest open conversations with people that you trust in work with your friends am I doing the right thing should I not do it? And you take these all on board because there's different perspectives. Like if you go off and make decisions in a silo, it's never going to work well. So we're kind of bounce different things off different people who have different perspectives just to see, do you think I should continue doing this? And then even though like with my own training and stuff, I've gone, like the Irish girls have a program sent through, but I'm doing things I'm bad at. So like Jackie put in burpees and sit-ups and like, oh they're horrible but again it's just you're pushing yourself so you can get better at these things and you take them off so they actually more at that now I think even throughout this pandemic and people being at home and stuff people are pushing themselves maybe not encouraging a, a motivational atmosphere if you're not feeling it especially in the pandemic time but there's a humbling thing in, in getting better at something that you're not good at I find do you know that kind yeah. of way? like yeah I fucking hate burpees but I know if I put my mind to it I can learn to like them 
Yeah. Does that kind of make a bit of sense? No, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll never like And it's kind of like that. It's that weird trait that we have that we try to trick ourselves. It's like <laughs> when people say, you feel much better if you like that for exercise. That's delight. You're just tired. But yeah, I think it's, I think there is always positivity in the unknown sometimes as well. That If you're trying something new, it's quite nice that you might not be good at it at the start, but it's getting good at it is the achievement. Just, yes, yeah, absolutely. It's progress. You can see it missing with my head. <laughs> but, but, but then, as well as that, is like in this kind of situation as well, because you're so bombarded by social media and by people, and everyone's like trying to reach out to make to people to make sure they're okay. I'm the kind of person who's very insular. I will like step away from crowds, as in like the zooms and stuff. I, just, I need time to myself, and that's okay too. And you don't have to be posting stuff on Instagram to say, "Oh, I finally got my five pull-ups or whatever." Yeah, so yeah, yeah. do one, and it's like it's okay if you can't do these things. It's okay to take time on your own. You don't always have to be in the middle of things. And I'm kind, of, I'm that person that just will take that step away. I'm like, I just need a few minutes on my own. Please respect that kind of thing. Important. Mm-hmm. Actually, just to bring up Carol again, if we didn't bring her up enough in this episode, <laughs> we're actually. We were actually chatting the other day and I we were talking about the kind of motivational ethos that's on social media during this pandemic. And I was like, yeah. I'm finding it very hard to kind of concentrate on a piece of work that I'm trying to do right now because there's so much else going on in the world and you kind of get overwhelmed by it. And I'm like, do you know yeah. what? I'm okay with just being at the moment and yeah. doing things that I, I want to do and like to do like this podcast. Like this yeah. is really good through this week it really really has and it's so good to see you and talk to you as well it's really nice and yeah I just think sometimes logging on to Facebook the Facebook and the Instagram that like everyone can just do their own thing that's okay like you don't that's totally okay don't have to be doing five pull-ups or 101 burpees or whatever but if you want to do that (laughs) you You do you you do you yeah, you do you. These burpee challenges, I'm like, where's the There's, donut challenge? That's yeah. something I can get on I board can, with. I can, get, I can get on board with the donut <laughs> challenge. Yeah, we'll start that. There's, I, I sent a video to the girls today where it was like this guy, he was like, can you all just stop challenging each other? We don't need to be yeah. challenged right now. <laughs> Stop it. It's like it's it's so true. As you said, there's so many kind of motivational messages going around and stuff. You're like, just we get it. Like, yeah, it's hard right now. But nearly the over motivational stuff is nearly wrecking my head because you're just like, look, nobody's been through this before. We're all going through this together. Nobody knows the solution on how to feel better in this situation. All you can do is do the best for you in yourself. So don't push your motivation on me please (laughs) (laughs) today was get up and have a shower and brush your hair good for you i I call that a win i call that a win i showered today and i feel like i've won i can sit down and rest for the day you can write your list and it's all good it's all good i can take (laughs) that off the list i showered today tick (laughs) right list tick yeah like i'll get to that point next on my list is Mm -hmm. i have an assignment to an assignment something i have to submit for college tomorrow which i nearly forgot about but it's on the list now. Um, but <laughs> to continue, uh, uh, I suppose over the next couple of weeks, it's just kind of enjoy my training. And that's kind of what I started to do, like with the runs and the gym and just kind of do it for myself. Because mm-hmm. um, I want to kind of change my weight or like I've been eating really well. And I kind of want to see those kind of changes. They're going to be slow. So that's fine. I have the time. Like we have time here. Just trying to get more into the routine of working from home and shutting off the computer when it has to be shut off and I suppose we've been pretty good at not having too much TV time and kind of we live nearby the beach as well so I went down for a walk there this morning so that was um uh yeah we're gonna do more runs and cycles around the place within a two kilometer radius we've got one mapped out yeah and that's kind of doing things I enjoy doing or else uh, kind of make myself believe I enjoy them so I could do then enjoy them in a couple of time <laughs> Uh, reverse so. psychology on yourself I know <laughs> uh, so that's kind of the plan and then whenever rugby starts back grand uh, I'm looking forward to it looking forward to seeing people mm-hmm. that kind of that's down the line whenever it might be for the minute there'll be continued zoom conversations and there'll be more pub quizzes online and a bit of motivational I'm sure there'll be loads of motivational stuff popping up and home workouts which we're loving 
Uh, but as well, it's, you have to take your time away from that and not. So I found I had little notifications up in the bottom right inside of my computer and just kept popping up whenever I Google open of what was going on in the world and I just had to shut off. Mm. I was like, I can't, I can't. Um, so it's kind of managing yourself that way and making sure you're not exposing yourself to too much Twitter because it's so quick and it's so real. Yeah. And like, oh, oh, you get overwhelmed, like you said. Yeah. So the next while is train, enjoy training and just continue working and be happy mm-hmm. that's Aww, good that's so nice yeah that's a good that's a good, a good <laughs> yeah, way that's i think amazing. yeah that's, that's a, a it's a message. great way or a great message of a way of thinking about everything Just that's going on at the moment yeah yeah you can kind of get dragged down the negativity and it's an awful situation don't get me wrong like we don't know where we're going or what's happening in mm-hmm. the next couple of months but yeah. they're kind of you have to look within words as well and kind of manage yourself and take care of yourself and mm-hmm. like social distancing and wash your hands etc etc but don't become so kind of engrossed in the greater global part because you'll never find any bit yeah. of happiness then. Yeah, exactly. One day if you're a bit of snapping at a two kilometer run, then do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go, Go for it. you or record a podcast with an old friend. Go for it. Go for very it. Slight. We're keeping very, we're, so we're sticking to the two kilometer social distancing. <laughs> we're all in very <laughs> different locations. We are kilometers yeah like hundreds of kilometers apart so we're good hundreds. just to kind of let everybody know we're hundreds of kilometers apart all three of us and <laughs> um, so we're, we're actually kind of coming to the end i suppose of the podcast now um and we like to to finish off with a few kind of fun kind of quick fire questions so we'll start with the first one so three people dead or alive that you would like to have over for dinner oh Freddie Flintoff Michelle Obama and oh give me another one who'd be kind of cool I suppose you know who'd be kind of cool should we go with David Gray David Gray lovely cool. lovely cool. <laughs> You came out really quickly. Yeah, you were like, yeah. I know this, I know this. I know this, I have them too. <laughs> okay, so what is your favourite quote or mantra that you live by? We actually didn't say any quotes this episode. I don't like um, it. What's, what's meant for you won't pass you. Yeah, oh, I love it. Goldie, an oldie but a goldie. Oh, yeah. Perfect. So knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself 10 years ago? To have more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Yeah, just have more fun. Like there's not like you don't look back and have regrets, whatever. But just have more fun. I okay. love that. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a good message for maybe save a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. Put, put those pennies away. <laughs> I suppose if you could say yourself something ten years ago, you'd be like, "There's going to be a pandemic in 2020. Save and hoard all the toilet paper." And... <laughs> okay. So one last thought before you sign off what would you say to someone that's kind of teetering on the edge of a big decision or what life advice would you give to someone find your friends find your circle wherever that might be family or friends ask their opinion because they won't send you wrong mm-hmm. uh, because they know you kind of a bit better than you probably even know yourself sometimes ask plenty that's definitely one thing because say if someone gives you the advice and you're like nah don't like that gonna do it this way yeah <laughs> it can kind you of know. point then you know kind of like oh I, I really do think your openness into finding your group or your tribe as as Leah sometimes calls it your tribe find your tribe and like being open in work and open with the younger generations coming through I think it's just such an important thing that I don't think any of our other podcasts have really touched on mm-hmm. you know that okay. kind of yeah about what you're into and who you are and let that do the work and even if it's I think a big message with you is like even if it's not your like immediate close circle it's like your colleagues that you kind of see every day that are just aware of your lifestyle and what you do and kind of letting them accept that and understand that yeah, yeah, because like your, your work friends know a lot more about you than mm. you think they do because they see yeah, you an awful yeah. lot. They've seen you in all the moods. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. And you've seen them in all the moods, so you're like, all the moods. <laughs> it's like uh, yeah. people are brothers in arms. <laughs> okay so we've kind of come to the end i suppose quickly where can people find you so if you want to plug anything in your social media or you want to show throw some motivational tweets out there for people oh Uh, there's no motivational (laughs) tweets there's never motivational tweets no you're gonna i'm not do not i just ignore it i'm not doing it i got one every day for 14 days claffy's gonna promote the the donut challenge now so (laughs) i'm such an athlete (laughs) 
Yeah, so just throw out whatever social media or anything that you want to plug there before we finish. Yeah, I, I'm on Instagram, Michelle underscore Claff, um, and Twitter, Michelle Claff, E, no Y. Perfect. So thank you very much for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. We were probably a little bit rusty the first since we haven't done it in a few months. So apologize for that. But I hope you enjoyed We I, so I can certainly say that I myself and I'm sure Fee as well enjoyed listening to the kind of your story and your journey and the getting over that struggle of your two ACL injuries as well as other injuries and just coming to that decision of wanting to be a teacher and seeing what it was like and just uh, just other amazing things that you've accomplished so far and will probably continue to accomplish a lot more so thank, thank you very much I have had such a lovely afternoon good, both good. and it was just so great just to see your faces I know and just chat through things that you kind of half forgotten about from 10 years ago. Yeah, that's true. I remember that Nina again. Classic. 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 Oh, Absolutely I, Iconic. Who would have thought? So we'll just sign off there. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of the podcast of Next Gen Femme. Hope you all enjoyed it. And we'll actually, we'll be back soon with another episode. So be sure to share this with all your friends and your family and everybody. I'm sure people are looking for different podcasts at the moment to listen to, so we'd we'd graciously appreciate it if you uh, suggested next gen next gen fem to all your friends and family. So thank you very much. That's it from me, and that's it from Fiona. Bye bye. I know. I don't know why. I, 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 Fiona. I don't know. The Dr. Fiona Malone. Uh, and that's it from Claff as well. So if you want to say goodbye, Claff. Bye. Thank you, ladies. Thank you very much, everyone, Bye. for listening. Bye-bye.